Dennis Prager here. If you have a business or a real estate dispute, I strongly recommend that you call Barack Lurie. Barack, you successfully sued a corporation only to have the principal claim it had no assets. What did you do? Dennis, we showed after the judgment there was a pattern of the principal taking money out of the corporation for his own personal purposes. And the outcome? After examining and documenting the corporation bank statements, we showed a pattern where the principal was using the corporation as his own personal piggy bank. We were able to show that he personally had a lot of money and should be the real defendant. He thought he could get away with everything by hiding behind the skirts of the corporation, but now he's personally liable. I'll say another success. I trust Barack Lurie with my own legalities. Call him at 866-575-8111. That's 866-575-8111. Fighting for what's right, Barack Lurie at Lurie and Seltzer. 866-575-8111. And now listen to the Barack Lurie Show Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. here on AM870, The Answer. This is the Brock Lurie Podcast, and with me, my good friend and producer, Ari David. Yay! <laughs> All right. Uh, so it turns out that uh, today, you know, we, we'd, we'd always been very uh, circumspect about how we talk about Obama and what his uh, real incentives are and his real quests are and such. I, I know that you're less Don't circumspect. Don't lump me into that. Okay, that's right. you. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's a good point. Wait. I've known what this guy wait. is all along. Wait, wait, wait. That's true. Wee, <laughs> wee. Okay. I have been very circumspect. I'm trying to be professional about this. I try to say, well, let's, you know, it's like, it's like when you accuse somebody of fraud in litigation, you're even if the person actually committed the fraud and such like that, the, the, the law assumes that he has not yet committed the fraud unless you can prove it. Extraordinary accusations require extraordinary proof. There right? you go. Yeah. Something As you like, say. Something like that, exactly. And even in a civil context, not just in a criminal context, you have to say, um, you know, you have to show what we call the who, what, where, and why. Not the why, but who, what, where, when, and so on. Uh, you have to be particular. Uh, so, for example, you have to say, well, I met Bob, the defendant, uh, at a Starbucks at 11 o'clock uh, on the 3rd of February, and uh, he laid out uh, blueprints for this great plot of land that he wanted to build, and he told me at that time that I would get 25% return within two months and then 50% return after four months, and, uh, and, and here's the contract that he presented to me, which I signed. We then went off on our merry way. That would be a... A specific enough complaint, uh, and, and then I re- reasonably relied upon his assurances, and I was damaged because I found out later on that he in fact lied to me. And that took my money and a, never gave any of it back. Right, and there was no such piece of land as it turns out. <laughs> the actual coordinates are in the ocean. Okay, so you get the idea. And then there's the question of reasonable reliance and everything else. Okay, so you're with me so far. You have to prove these allegations. Now, there are those. Uh, among us, my friend Ari David, for being one of them, to say this this man, Obama, he's a corrupt politician that actually seeks to hurt and undermine America at every turn, that he is uh, a closet uh, Muslim, shall we say, uh, and perhaps closet other things as well, and that uh, he'll do everything to undermine America in every possible way possible. He's a mole, 
uh, Manchurian candidate. A am I misstating your beliefs? And a Democrat. Yeah, um, you know, it's funny. I love being quoted accurately, and you just did. Okay. Well, I mean, you paraphrased, but yeah. All right. The gist, you nailed it. Okay. Exactly. All right. So, so and here, here I am. You've heard me on my podcasts, uh, and we, we've had some debates about this. And I'll say, look, you know, at, at the very least, you can, you can make a plausible argument that if you wanted to hurt America, then doing the very things that he's doing would be consistent with somebody who wants to hurt America. Okay? And that, but that still doesn't ascribe mot motive to him. But nevertheless, that's what you could do. Um, okay. So you can imagine the frustration that I felt when I learned today that Obama is telling those who oppose his Iranian deal are playing into the hands of the enemy and that we, we are the traitors, you understand, to the American enterprise. So that it really pisses me off, right? Here I am, you know, having been so circumspect, like to use the previous adjective I, I, I was talking about, so reserved in my, my word choices, being, trying to be elegant, trying to be professional, trying to be, trying to be, trying to be respectful. He's my president and so forth, right? And, and he's, he's jumped the gun and he's like, you, sir, are a traitor. Okay. <laughs> All right, so here, you're hearing a sound now? Ready? Watch. Those are my kid gloves coming off. You dropped the gloves. <laughs> That's right. Wow. <laughs> the gloves are off the gloves and they're off. on the floor. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So now my... Those were heavy gloves, not like those white smoking <laughs> gloves or yes. anything. That's right. I'll repeat. <laughs> All right. That's, that's what it took. For me <laughs> to take off my kick gloves, they are it heavy. It only took seven years. You, wow! You want to see my You're biceps, so by the way? I'm really, really strong <laughs> carrying around those kick gloves. <laughs> you know, my grandfather used to say, "No good deed goes unpunished." There you go. You know, it it, it really is. It's it's just such chutzpah, right? And and how do we define chutzpah? All right, take it away. Nerve. No, no, the no. real. The, the, the illustrative definition of chutzpah. I don't know. I thought it was just nerve or gall. No, no, okay. Chutzpah is defined as a child who murders his parents and then pleads for mercy of the court on the grounds that he's an orphan. Oh, that, <laughs> okay. because he has a lot of gall. Yes. <laughs> yeah. That's chutzpah. It's like, all right. <laughs> so now this man. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> that's all right. This man has the chutzpah to turn. He commits these horrific, I mean, really, it's horrific. What, what he did with Iran, how he's jeopardized the security of this country, and then to turn around and, and say that we are the traitors. We're the ones who are undermining the country's safety because we oppose the treaty. We're the ones protecting the dictator of yeah. Iran because we don't want him to get $150 billion in the next month yes. that he, as Obama said in his own speech today, will probably use for terrorism. Right. Uh, you know, it, if, if you disagree with me, my friends, this is Obama speaking, of course, if, if you disagree with me, well, then you're a traitor. Right? It's, it's, 
it's it's uh, it's it's like a witch hunting, right? Isn't it? Like, the, oh, she's a witch. She's a witch. You know, it's like Stalin declaring Zinoviev uh, and Bukharin enemies of state. I was just gonna say that. <laughs> wow, that's that's our connection, man. <laughs> no, I was not gonna say that. Bizarre reference. <laughs> Jeez Louise. Can't work under these conditions. All right. Difficult. Okay, so you are difficult. And, and to add uh, napalm to the fire, I sent you an article this week, you probably saw it, in which there's a case in which American victims of Palestinian terrorists yes. sued the Palestinian yes. Authority, formerly the PLO, and they won. The case is on appeal. And remember, they were already lost. So right. an appeal, based on what Barack Lurie has told me before, and he knows the law, that would be you, well, is that appeals well, don't go over the facts, they go over the process. That, that's, that's correct. Okay. Uh, uh, to, to some extent, they go over the, the, the facts because if, if you present that, it's clear that the, um, the evidence presents only facts that could only conclude one thing. So to use a typical example is a speeding ticket, okay? And the evidence comes out that the guy was driving 45 miles an hour in a 65-mile zone, and then he's he's still ticketed for speeding. Well, you could could show the facts at that point and say, look, those facts, the the evidence proved incontrovertibly that, that he was not speeding. Therefore, it must be reversed. So in that sense, you could say... They, they look at the facts, but generally speaking, it's true. You you look at the process, you see whether things were excluded that shouldn't have been excluded, that might have been relevant. You you look to prejudice, uh, prejudicial statements, and uh, by and large, a lot of times the, the court the court of appeals does not reverse completely and, and actually instruct the the trial to find uh, you know liability where there was no liability or vice versa. What they'll do is they'll typically say, no, you are instructed to retry this case and include this evidence or exclude that evidence, as the case may be. There are many different ways of, of an appeal, and I don't want to bore anyone with that. The, the point is, though, that the administration is inserting itself into that uh, judgment and basically trying to say, look, uh, we're going to try to uh, – I don't know whether they're planning to file a friend, a friend of the court brief. They did. Okay. So, you know, good luck on that. But, but nevertheless, uh, you know, this this administration does have a lot of influence with the Court of Appeal and the Supreme Court. I have to tell you, I'm I'm convinced at this point that, and, and I want to I want to argue this the following point. And I'll kind of pull back a little bit on it. The the madness that's going on, the 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 energy that Obama is pursuing with this Iran deal, which is so clearly destructive, the fact I think it's inconclusive sorry, that's completely conclusive based upon the four elements that we discussed the other day that Obama wants as much illegal immigration into this country as possible because of the four things, the four elements we talked, remember this? Uh, refuses to uh, he's indicating that he's going to veto the ban on, on federal funding of, of sanctuary cities, that he supports uh, no voter ID, that he will not enforce a border, and that when a, when a state like Arizona does seek to enforce a border, he will sick the high court on them and order them to not enforce a border. Yeah, and, and Those, there could even be a fifth, which is he has released so many illegal aliens into America from our own prisons with massive criminal convictions. Yeah, yeah. You know, there's, okay, so, so yeah, it's, it's, there's ines- it's, it's inescapable. I'm just saying, I'm using four alone. It's inescapable 
you, you really cannot meaningfully argue otherwise now that he does not want massive illegal immigration into this country. You cannot argue that. I don't think you can say that with a straight face. But that's illegal immigration. That's bad. Don't get me wrong. But you could say, well, that doesn't mean that he wants to destroy the country. Maybe he thinks immigrants, legal or Im illegal, are a wonderful thing for the country. You know, uh, you know that the more immigrants we have, the better it'll be, make our country richer in, in, in terms of diversity and so on. Okay, you can you can argue that. But then you start looking at foreign policy, and you start seeing crazier things too. And everything he's done has truly undermined America. Everything. So before we get to the point where we say, yes, it looks like he's actually trying to actually hurt America, um, we're so surprised um, that if you take the position, and as I'm beginning to take the position, that he's doing everything he can to push his agenda, and he has a long-term agenda of really hurting this country, if you take that position, then why would you be surprised if you found out that he is pressuring those on the Supreme Court and the appellate courts, for that matter, to do what he wants for them, for his administration, okay? I always thought it was a little bit odd what happened with the Obamacare decisions, both of them. It, it, it does not make sense. Neither of them made sense. Either the first John Roberts decision or the second decision also involving John Roberts. But it was, I think it was Kennedy, really, who made Kennedy that Kennedy and Roberts, he yeah. both flipped on us on that one. Yeah. So, uh, and look, and the administration has made clear signals, unlike previous administrations to the high court, saying, we expect you to do this. And there's a lot of pressure for some reason. Who knows what that pressure is? Could it be that, that Obama has something on these guys and says, and says, look, you fashion a way to make this Obamacare thing constitutional. You make this, this uh, second Obama decision constitutional. You find a way to make gay marriage constitutional. I want you to find a right on this. Or else. Okay? And who's to say that that's impossible? Yeah, well, I've actually seen news stories that are about there's something that they have on Robert, some sort of criminal activity. Whatever they have... They have, and, and I'm, I'm saying something is odd about this. And I can tell you, a president who tells me that I'm being a traitor now for not supporting his deal, that makes me think, wow, that's, that's really something. That, that, take, that takes chutzpah, as we said before, gall, nerve, what have you. And I thought, wow, it's, that kind of chutzpah it would be the same kind of chutzpah to go around and kind of bully people into adopting his position. Well, it, you see what I'm saying? It's, well, it's yeah, a, it's the Chicago way. Right, That's it's the, the Chicago way. The they, they operate on. And remember what we always say, liars always lie, cheaters always cheat. And thugs know, always thug. And thugs always thug, right? So why would we be surprised? This is a, um, this, this demag demag demagoguery, demagoguery, yeah. Demagogic approach to um, his policy making, that if you do not believe what he believes, well, then you're going you're gonna to be uh, anti-American. You're the one. And now I feel, and that's why I said I'm, I'm you know, taking off the kid gloves. I'm saying, you know, President Obama, this is outrageous what you're doing. If anything, I've held my tongue about you 
And, and I think that you are leading us down a treacherous, and I mean that word literally, a treacherous path, a path that, that you should know better, and I think you do know better. And when you and your Iran treaty tell us that we are going to have to protect Iran from us, when we know it's actually from Israel, this is, this is what we're to believe, and, and you expect me to think that you're, you're protecting America? No, sir. I know you're not. And then when you're, you want to intervene in a, in a judgment where the Palestinian Authority, the PLO, has been uh, held liable for millions and millions of dollars. Billions. Billions, okay. Billion and a half dollars. For five families, right? Right. And uh, if the judgment goes through and their assets are seized in America, they're out of business. They're right. done. Right. Okay. So, and that, so that's why. So That's how serious it is. So why would the Obama administration get itself involved in that? I mean, there are many judgments against foreign governments all the time. But why this particular foreign government, I'll put that in quotes, why? What, what, what advantage is there to us by propping up the, the, the terrorism, this particular terrorist group? Why? That particularly does terrorism essentially only to Israelis and Americans and others with Israeli connection. Right. He's the primary right. target of this is Israel. So it, it really, you wonder why he's doing this. And well, I don't wonder, you know, you, okay. you wondered and you now concluded. We, we, we have, yeah. yeah, we have to think, you know, logically, of course, and I, I like to think logically. So, okay, so the answer to that is, I mean, the liberal answer to that is, look, as bad as the PLO is, as bad as the Palestinian Authority is, and I grant you, Mr. Lurie, they're pretty bad. The fact is, we don't want the alternative. Okay, because that alternative might very well be ISIS. So we don't want to weaken the Palestinian Authority, despite what they've done. Okay, so yes, from the greater glory sort of point of view, we need to sacrifice those families so that, so that we can have uh, whatever stability we do have in the Middle East, that we still maintain it. That's their best argument, Ari. That's it. Okay. That's, not, that's thin. I, I'm not saying it's a good argument. <laughs> that's uh, gossamer thin. I'm, that's saran wrap. <laughs> it is very thin. That's but, a wet napkin. But the point is that's all they have, right? Yeah. Okay. That, that, that's not a good one, and it's certainly not a, a good enough one to get involved after the fact of a judgment, and it looks really, really bad to that's do so. That's OJ alibi thin. Yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, so, so he's doing this. And it makes you wonder why, right? So I, I think he's doing it because he wants to prop up the Palestinian Authority. And I think someone uh, among the, the myriad uh, pro-Muslim groups, pro-terrorist groups, I should say, and not, not that all Muslim groups are terrorists, by the way. I'm simply saying that pro-terrorist groups, whether they realize it or not, have put a bug into Obama's ear and said, we expect you to protect us on this one. Get in there and do something about this. Now, when you add this to all the other crazy stuff that Obama has done, which is that he's defended um, uh, criminals of all kinds, uh, you know, Trayvon Martin and uh, the, the Michael Brown, the gentle giant issue in Ferguson and otherwise, and does nothing when it comes to white families or anybody else other than black families being victims or what a happened liberal for black families. Right, no less. Certainly not. He certainly didn't weigh in on okay. um, yeah, you know, the, the guy killed by the illegal aliens. Fort Hood, uh, you know, you name it. Um, and then he didn't even fly half-mast the, the, um, after the, the recent shootings in Chattanooga. 
uh, but, he, but he's all about putting uh, his White House in rainbow colors to commemorate the great result of the Supreme Court finding that there is a gay uh, marriage right. So this, you couple all those things together, and it's, it's, there, there's agenda going on, um, and you can say, well, that's what politics is all about, Barack. No, no, no. There's agenda. There's one thing, you may want a certain result, but you can't cheat for that result, right? You, you want an A on your history exam, great, but you can't cheat, okay? You can gun for it. You want to be the number one in your class? Sure. We, we admire you for doing that. Push what you can. And politics means, you know, going to this or that senator and saying, hey, I'll wheel and deal. We may not like that kind of politics, but that's the way it's done. But there's nothing illegal about it. What is illegal is when you think you have goods on somebody and you blackmail them. Okay? I don't know about John Roberts, about what happened to him. It just does, it doesn't make sense what John Roberts did. It never It didn't make sense to me the first time. And it, it made even less sense the second time. There was, there was no logic behind the second Obamacare decision. And there was even less logic in the gay marriage debate. Less. But what do I know? What do I know, right? I mean, who knows? This, this president may know far better than me. But th that's, that's a, these are the debates we have to have with ourselves. Uh, so he's getting involved in that. Now, I wanted to say, it just off, totally off topic, there was, um, we had a, a number of emails with uh, regard to our previous abortion, you know, how to end abortion, um, the best, or the best way to end abortion, I think it was the title of our previous podcast. Yeah, selling whole live babies instead of selling their dead parts. It's, <laughs> it was basically our bottom line on this. Well... When I don't. I don't think that's the bottom line. It's not about selling the babies. That's the way that the the opponents would describe it. Because I, yeah, I, I demur to that characterization. I'm simply saying that if a, if a woman wants to be able to procreate a child for the sake of another couple, well, then she should be entitled to to do so. As as the uh, opposition so often likes to say, a woman should be able to do what with her body what she wants. So, and we we said in our podcast that. Uh, on the one hand, you, you're telling us that she can kill the baby, but she can't give it up to for adoption for money to a couple that, that she prefers to give it to. Who are paying for that baby anyway right. when they adopt to all sorts of middlemen. Yeah, exactly right. So uh, anyway, we, we had a number of emails, and there was one gentleman in, in particular that I thought uh, said it very well. And I wish I could remember his name. Anyway, he, he said that this would be creating a market for the sale of babies. And I thought we had addressed that pretty thoroughly in our podcast, and, but it, bear, it, it's, it bears repeating that, look, will there be abuse of that? Absolutely. Absolutely. But you could say that there's, there's abuse of, of any industry. Just take cars, for example. You know, people will use cars for the purpose of uh, committing crimes, right? People will... Cars have been used in robbing banks. Cars have been used in all sorts of conspiracies, right? You're you're only fostering crime well, by, by the use of cars, more right? About the um, the advantages dealers take with the rust proofing and the undercoat. And oh, I like see. That. But still, same uh, thing. Whatever. They're yeah. All over the gamut. But I think the you, you, you wouldn't junk an entire idea simply because it can be abused. And and I'm I'm with. You listeners, and, and we talked about this before in depth. We are not naive. We know that people will abuse this. 
They'll, they'll encourage people to get pregnant, for example, so they can get a lot of money because this or that particular very rich, rich couple wants a baby, and you look the part, and the, you, you're, you're the kind of look that, that these parents really want. Yeah, and you know you're the master of analogy. I think I have one for you. All right. Well, if we're talking about preventing the, the deaths of children, which is what we're talking about here, that, you know, desperate times require desperate measures, complaining about those abuses that may happen which still results in a live person staying alive, is like complaining about someone who escaped the gas chambers in Nazi Germany by fraudulently forging papers yeah. to cross a border. Yeah. So what? <laughs> yeah, exactly right. We, in hindsight, of course, we clap for them and we say, fantastic. Yeah. Um, look, if, if Steve Jobs was uh, the, you know, assuming that we all agree that he was a, a, a tremendous creator and a, the Leonardo da Vinci of our age, um, if Steve Jobs was born to such a situation, we know that he was adopted, by the way. But let's say his parents had, you know, paid the the woman to to give birth from the outset, and they planned it all out and everything else, and they paid her fifty thousand dollars. We'd say, fantastic, great. You know, it, it, as my law school professor once said, you know, there's no such thing as an illegitimate child. Every child legitimates himself, and I I, I respect that. But it, it it cuts all sorts of ways here. And uh, the fact is, uh, just like the, the, the young lady, I, I recall she testified about uh, abortion, and she said, and she revealed that she was the product of rape. Uh, by the way, she's just a gorgeous young lady, very, very pretty. She's about 24 years old, uh, and she speaks out uh, against abortion, and she's uh, an amazing young lady, very intellectual, and, uh, and even she does that, right? But you would never say, well, we should kill her because you know, she was. She's a, this. This pregnancy is the product of rape, and no one would and ever she, accuse her of advocating for rape. Right. Exactly. Of course right. not. Yeah. So, so this is what we're talking about, folks. Yes, there will be abuse, but that abuse is far less, far less, than the forty-plus million babies that have been killed since 1973. That, my friends, is more than one tenth of today's American population today's American population. And it's roughly 10 times the number of Jews killed in, official number of Jews killed in the Holocaust. That's right. So anytime anyone makes an, a, a Holocaust analogy to the abortion uh, history since 1973, they're actually understating it. Yeah. yeah. Which is monstrous. We'll be talking a little bit more about this on my Sunday show as well. Um, in the meantime, don't go away. We'll be right back. This is the Brock Larry Podcast. Why can't they say what they want? Why can't they just say what they need? Dennis Prager here. If you have a business or real estate dispute, I strongly recommend that you call Barack Lurie. Barack, you had a case where your client invested $100,000 with her accountant who put her into various fake real estate investments. Yes, the challenge here was that neither the attorney nor the client were really focusing on this case. So what'd you do? At the deposition, I had a big stack of documents that I told her I was going to ask her to testify about and made sure she saw those documents and let her know her serious exposure. We settled for the full amount of the payments my client had paid her. 
her. We didn't even start the deposition. Litigation is a lot about understanding the psychology of your opposing party and sometimes the opposing counsel. I'll say another success. I trust Barack Lurie with my own legalities. Call him at 866-575-8111. That's 866-575-8111. Fighting for what's right, Barack Lurie at Lurie and Seltzer. 866-575-8111. And now listen to the Barack Lurie Show Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. here on AM870, The Answer. And we're back, and thanks for tuning back in. All right, we uh, so many things have developed this week, and as I've told you before, Ari, it, it's always a challenge for me uh, for my Sunday show because my producers on the Sunday show <clears throat> always urge me to give them what I'm going to be talking about that coming Sunday. And luckily, because you can see the future. <laughs> That's right. I'll tell you exactly what I'm going to say. Now, this time, for example, I was able to say, well, we'll be talking about the Republican debate because at this point I knew that August 6th would roll around, and that's tonight, um, and I'll end up talking about that one way or the other. If it's, if it's got a lot of juicy stuff, well, I'll talk about that. If it's, if it's boring, well, that in and of itself will be of interest to talk about. <clears throat> but it's hard. It really is hard. Um, and one of the developments that I <clears throat> would have loved to have talked about before is uh, and raised in my promo spot is a new, um, well, a news item where the FBI has indicated that it will be going after uh, Hillary Clinton on a criminal basis regarding her emails. Now, this is an interesting development uh, for sure. Now, the way that some news uh, outlets have, have reported this is that. They're considering it, that if there is a probe, they're looking into it. It's not a civil probe. That's very rare indeed, as it turns out. It's a criminal probe. Why would you do a civil probe of something that's illegal, right? Yeah, the Department of Email <clears throat> Investigations would do a civil probe. Right, this is the, not like a state bar complaint. The do yeah. criminal. That's right. what they do. Yeah, they, that's what they do. So they, they, they're pursuing a criminal, criminal probe, and... And by the way, I'm, I just want to apologize to all the listeners up front. I'm going to be doing a lot of giggling during this whole <laughs> yeah, stuff. Well, yeah, it might be a schadenfreude. But, uh, you know, schadenfreude means uh, shameful joy, right? Uh, loosely translated as that. And in, in this one, I wouldn't say it's shameful joy to know that she's being investigated. I'm just, it's not at all. It's, it's like saying, you know, I, I'm... Uh, it, there's no shameful joy in knowing that Charles Manson has been uh, arrested and, and now imprisoned, right? No, it's no. just relief. That's what justice requires. A murderer requires. off the street. This right. is great. Yeah, you, you would never say that a murderer off the street or a thief off, a thief off the street or a rapist off the street is somehow shameful that, that you're, you're glad that he's off the street and in prison. No, you, you are happy. It's not happy. It's, a, it, it, it's just what justice demands. How about that? And that's the way I feel about Hillary Clinton. She, the things that she has done and the things that she thought she could get away with, the emails in particular, that this, that just the lying upside and downside and just right and left, 
that, that she thought she, she opted for convenience, you know, when it came to one device, when it was, becomes clear that she used, she, she had multiple devices. Uh, and it begged the question that we brought up on the podcast that I, I saw people started bringing up months later, but to the effect of, well, wait a minute, did she have a State Department email at all? When she visited the State Department office that she had, did she ever use her own friggin' computer? And and in that, did you she mean she, one of their computers on her yeah, desk in the office? Yeah, pre- presumably she has one right there. Yeah. And it's not tied into her personal uh, email. Presumably it's it's her State Department email. And people always talk about, you know, well, she shouldn't have been using a personal email address for State Department purposes, right? And 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 lost in all that is the notion that there was a State Department email at all. And it turns out, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, I have no problem with it. She, she didn't send out a single email from her State Department Yeah, the address. bottom line is there wasn't one. There yeah. wasn't one. Every email was personal. Right. So, or I, concealed. Right. Or, you know. And she was so dismissive about it. That's, that, that also bothers me. Like... Well, you know, there's 30,000, and they contain mostly personal emails about my mother's funeral, about uh, Chelsea's wedding, and yoga routines, and things like this. Well, what, why is it then that you, you, you need a, a personal server for that purpose? Right, because what she didn't tell us is that at her mother's funeral, she sold a bunch of uranium to Russia. <laughs> at Chelsea's wedding, yeah. she sold more uranium to Russia. <laughs> and at yoga class, she was selling uranium to Russia yeah. and, and covering up Benghazi. Right, and otherwise getting speaking fees at the yoga classes. In between deep yes, breaths. that's right. That's right. <laughs> breathe deep. That'll cost you $500,000. Now breathe deep again. That'll cost you $500,000. Yes, <laughs> that's yes. <right>. Exactly. <laughs> between down dogs and whatever they... Right. <laughs> Child <laughs> poses. Anyway, it, it, you know, and, uh, look, this woman uh, is clearly... I'll say it here very comfortably. She's a criminal. She's a far worse criminal than than Henry uh, Henry Nixon, Richard Nixon, ever was, a- ever. Okay, it's it's, and you don't have to like it, my dear listener. She's like Bernie Madoff criminal. Like she's bad stuff. Fraud. You she's know. Bad stuff. She, she's she exhibits the classic uh, characteristics of a criminal, who think that everything she does is uh, justified. She'll just, criminals do this. Here's what they do. They, they say, I'll just say X. You know, if anyone ever asks me about it, I'll say X. And then, of course, the thing happens and somebody asks her, and then they say, I'll, they, they say the X thing. For example, I opted for convenience. And then people grill her. And then, then they get upset that you're grilling them. And they quickly try to change the subject, which is the classic sign of a liar. You hate women because you're grilling me. Is Something like that, yeah. They would say, yeah. yeah. Uh, it, it, uh, here's a famous one. Uh, you can guess on who said it. My husband's just a victim of a grand right-wing conspiracy. Oh, I remember that. Yes, of course. Yeah. Who said that? Uh, I, it, it was HRC. I don't remember the exact initials, uh, exact name. Hillary Clinton. Oh, what are the odds? Oh my God! No, <laughs> that's that's a coincidence. It's a that's a coinky dinky. Okay, so let's move on to the the topic at hand, which is. Why is it that the FBI is actually investigating Hillary Rodham Clinton? And you would think, well, the Department of Justice is, uh, you know, has discretion here. So the Department of Justice uh, basically is run by the Obama administration at this point. They, they more or less get to decide what matters get to be pushed and what matters they, they decide not to push. 
So to give you two easy, uh, very notable uh, examples is um, they decided to push uh, an, an intervention into the uh, recent judgment against the Palestinian Liberation Organization, also known as the PLO, and the Palestinian Authority for uh, a couple of billions of dollars for victims of terrorism. And the Obama administration is mulling over, to be fair to them, that's mulling over, but that means that they're actually considering it. Uh, that's my definition, right? That they should intervene in this and perhaps make this judgment go away. Now, why they would do that? Well, that's, to me, it's obvious, but you can, it's, it's a, it's what I call self-evident question. The question reveals something about the person in the first place. They shouldn't, why are they mulling over it? Why are they considering getting into this at all? So that's, that's a mystery. Okay. Um, and then the other thing they decided not to pursue, uh, you'll remember, and there are many examples of this, but the, this one just comes racing to mind, is the new Black Panthers. Do you remember this? Back in 2008, the new Black Panthers literally intimidated folks from voting, and they stood outside. Uh, white folks. Yes, that's right. They should did, be pointed out. It was very selective. That's true. They didn't want to intimidate all people from voting, but white folks from anybody that they perceived might vote for uh, the uh, McCain at that time. Well, they would make it a little bit uh, unnerving and uncomfortable to be there, especially if, if you're elderly. And uh, I mean, what voter intimidation is is a felony, and it should be a felony. And in that case, the new Black Panthers had already pleaded guilty. The case was uh, yeah, I th done. I think, I think it was a default judgment. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. It was all, all, all wrapped up in a bow, yeah. delivered to the new incoming Justice Department yes. head by Holder, and they still go, eh, we never mind. Feel, we don't feel like it, yeah. So they didn't pursue that, and they should, of, course, of course they should have. So this is, this is a classic sign of corruption, because had it been, God forbid, let's say the KKK trying to prevent... Uh, black people from voting, well, then you, you can bet your sweet bottom that, that there would be an uproar not only in the DOJ, but also throughout the nation itself. Yeah, and the Gibson Guitar Company, if you remember, was prosecuted for the mislabeling of wood, not poaching of wood, just mislabeling of wood, not a lion, wood. Right. M meanwhile, the Fender Guitar Company, which was all Obama donors, nothing. Yeah, it's, it's a very bizarre administration, and, and it's, it's a truly corrupt Organization, it, it uh, when it exercises its discretion this way, you know something is corrupt. This is this is wrong. All right, so we we're talking about exercising discretion and making decisions whether to involve yourself or to pull away from a particular project. And here, the FBI is pursuing Clinton. And our point is that they would not be pursuing Clinton unless the Obama administration wanted them to pursue Clinton. And so you may, this, now this begs the question, why would they do that? Why do they have it in for Hillary? Yeah, poor Hillary. Yes, yes. Well, I'm going to let you chime in a little bit this, but my, my personal thoughts, I think you know this stuff a little bit more deeply, Ari, but my personal thoughts, and again, just superficial, is I think the, the Clintons and the uh, Obamas hate each other uh, and always have. There's been a lot of resentment in the past. And whatever this, uh, the decision to appoint her as Secretary of State was all about, I think uh, that was some sort of quid pro quo going on. And Bill Clinton basically told Obama, look, if you want us to be supportive of you in the future, in uh, 2012, well, then, by golly, you need to, uh, 
appoint my wife Secretary of State and, and involve her. Uh, so that might have been a quid pro quo. I'm, again, it, it, it might be, but I, I think it probably was. And um, I, I think that there's a, a lot of nastiness about that. Now, Ari, you brought up an interesting point, which I frankly had not thought about. And that is that they're worried that Hillary Clinton, because they know that she can't stand him. Obama. Obama. That oh, she also can't stand him, Bill. <laughs> but that's another story. <laughs> Uh, but if, if she can't stand Obama, and, and that if she becomes president, she may very well pursue Obama on a criminal basis. What better way to nip that in the bud than by pursuing an investigation all of your, all of your own against her, and then to the extent for any reason she wins the presidency, well, then you can say this is just a Me Too investigation. Yeah, and there's a cloud over her head Yeah, for all... Eight to twelve to sixteen years of her presidency. Right, but you were going to say something else, because I think I'm just speaking superficially now. Am I missing something? Is there is more depth that you want to talk about? Um, I think that there's two aspects to this. Going back to when Obama was nearing nomination time and picking a successor, I think you know we've we've gone past what we talked about in the first segment here of uh, whether or not he's deliberate or incompetent. And I've always been a deliberate guy, so I give him credit for being incredibly insightful and intelligent. And I think he was brilliant enough to see that she was unelectable. Hence, he picked Biden to be the vice president. Um, uh, under him because he knew that she would never be a, a quality successor anyway to continue his legacy one way or another. He recognized her unelectability based on running against her in the first place. And then Obama, I think, always realized the, if you will, criminal element that's always been a cloud around the Clintons that always made them incredibly vulnerable to the discretion of a prosecutor. Right, and, and, and she would be, as vice president at least, she would have been a lightning rod for all sorts of extra scandals. And, I, I, and then she would also, of course, demand more attention and more involvement in actual presidential decisions and such. And it would be, um, it, it would be an ugly thing for him. I, I kind of understand him from, from that point of view. And I further understand him to place her in a secretary of state position, which is very different and cannot necessarily mean that he's going to that she's going to basically force his hand on regarding anything. The great thing about being Secretary of State is you're outside the White House. You're literally you're, outside. You're, you're yeah. in foggy bottom, your own building, and you're around the world most of the time. Right, and plus she can't discuss anything domestic, like Obamacare, for example. She can't chime in about that. Uh, where crazy Joe, Uncle Joe, uh, can chime in, but you know who cares what he's he says. Crazy Joe, he's he's, he's my crazy uncle. <laughs> That's right. The, the other thing I want to add real fast about her, from just a body politic point of view, which is this: we saw what a terrible politician she is in the 2008 cycle. Yes, very bad. Extremely inept. And you know the, when she won the Senate seat in New York, she was running in New York. Okay, they would have voted for any Democrat that was still alive. Right. Okay. Yeah, that was know, easy. That's, that's that was easy. And big, re-election, big fish in a small pond. Right. Re-elected in 2006, <clears> same <throat> thing. She's a, she's now an incumbent. Okay, that's one state where it's like shooting ducks in a barrel to win for a Democrat. But a national race is something different. And so she's proven a history of political miscalculation all along. And this is where I come to the biggest miscalculation the Clintons in aggregate made, which was in 2012, number one, believing Obama's promise when he said to her, and Bill, 
oh, if you support me and give me your full support and endorsement for the 2012 election, make sure I win, I'll campaign for you in 2016. Obama's never kept a promise, okay? You, no. you got to know that. And that, so that was... He's, he learned well from the Iranians. Yeah, and that was... Oh, that's right. Wait a minute. We had a deal with the Iranians. <laughs> right. Oh, and that never was mind a, then. Right. That was an incredible misread. But the bigger yeah. misread on the Clintons' part was this. They would have been in perfect position going into 2016 if Romney was the current incumbent. If they had turned on Obama, said, I'm voting no confidence in this guy, Romney wins... Romney's now dealing with a screwed-up country, and Democrats, you know how they are uh, after four years of Republican you know, administration. They go, well, see, he drove the car into the ditch. Bring us back. We'll fix it. That's right. It would have been much better for her to have Romney win. Yeah. There's no doubt about and that. And Obama's off the scene, and the Obama-Clinton conflict is settled. Yeah. In other words, they just did not read the chessboard accurately. No. It was a, they, they made a very bad bet as to who to hitch their wagon to. And that's uh, and that's something that she'll have to live with. Okay, we we, you know what's interesting because on in the previous part of this podcast we talked about uh, the, the 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 very high likelihood that the Obamacare decisions, both of them, that they're so suspect, they're so weird, um, and and for that matter, the gay marriage even to to a lesser extent or to a greater extent, it's up to you. But they're all weird decisions. The Roberts decision to uh, you know, support Obamacare as a tax as, as opposed to a penalty, and we now know that they were originally going to go against it, the, the majority decision, right? Do you, you know this? Yes. And, there was, and how do we know that? Because in one of the footnotes and such, they forgot to either take out the footnote or to make it consistent with the, re, the remainder of the, uh, of the opinion. And so there it is, this kind of thing. We hold it today that it, does, it violates the Constitution. And then, of course, they changed it at all. So uh, w- weird, very weird. And the answer, of course, to according to John Roberts, is, well, we have to think about the reputation of the high Supreme Court vis-a-vis the rest of the land, and we can't be perceived to be um, uh, a partisan. Well, yeah. that's, that's a fair comment, but nevertheless, it doesn't mean that you know, you, you once in a while go with the murderer. You know, you once in a while acquit, you know, you, you have you know so many murderers out there, and you 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 know you, yeah about fifty percent of them you want to quit. No, it doesn't work that way. Right. And also, you once said that the court in general does not like to reverse Congress, right? But they were certainly willing to do it when it came to the Defense of Marriage Act, which was a much more broadly supported bill than Obamacare. Yeah, and it was much less controversial. Yeah, it it, it was an odd thing. So I don't want to get down into the weeds when it comes to the, the, the Supreme Court, I'm simply saying it was odd, right? The, 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 the decision, especially the second Obamacare decision, that to me really troubled me. I, I made a full-on prediction. It was so easy, the decision. And that decision was, why are you coming to us? Well, yes, we are here to interpret the, the laws, but only on a constitutional basis and to make things constitutional where it's possible to make it constitutional. But this was a simple issue of whether the federal states should be mandated versus state and all. It wasn't even a constitutional issue. And they should have said, why are you coming to us? Go back to Congress and amend it. You, you, you are fully within your power. And if Congress doesn't want to amend it, well, I suppose they won't amend it. 
And but, I guess the, it's a poorly written bill, and good luck keeping yeah. it together. Yeah, it's. I mean, you, stitch that Titanic. That's right. You made this bed. You sleep in it, right? Yes. That's a simple phrase to remember this by. And uh, but instead, they got into the weeds, and they actually made a decision for the Obama administration. Didn't make sense. Um, I, I, I still think the. Uh, for all the reasons we discussed before, the, the gay marriage decision also does not make sense. It, it does not belong there. There is no constitutional right to uh, same-sex marriage. It's, it's an odd duck case, and we'll always look back on it as an odd duck case. So it, it gets to the question of why did it happen? How could this happen? And we know that the Obama administration, you know, and you can say this is all politics, but they, they get to their various different constituents Sorry, they're congressmen and senators within their party, and they say, you do this or else. And uh, we, we know that they're doing this. And when it comes to the Iran deal, for example, they're making sure everyone comes to heel. Yeah. You do what we want, or you might be primaried out of your next congressional election. Yeah. Which or, is- or worse. And that explains why Chuck Schumer, who's the leading possible Democrat to go against... Uh, Obama's Iran policy, who represents a district full of Israel loyal Jews, who is also a guy who is like, he's like an Irishman who kissed the Blarney Stone. He is never short for words when there's a camera around, is suddenly mum on the issue, suddenly has no opinion whatsoever, and is saying, I'm not going to let political pressure or information or knowledge or facts. (laughs) Make my decision for me. I'll I'll make a decision when I make a decision, and I don't know what that'll be because I don't know anything about this. This is a loudmouth blowhard who he's more arrogant than me as far as knowing everything about everything. (laughs) Difference is I actually do. (laughs) You know. Now you're being unduly harsh. (laughs) (laughs) I'm being humble right now. That's extreme language there, my friend. You take that back. I'm showing total deference here. But suddenly, nothing. It's like he's been, uh, you know, given some formaldehyde on a cloth and a a ball gag, and now nothing's coming out of his mouth. All of a sudden. Yeah. Yeah. Well, look, this is, like I said, it's an administration that has engaged in strange behavior. It's clearly selective when it comes to the enforcement of the laws. And and you're talking about threatening behavior. Yes, 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 I am. So so let's... we know some things. We know that they pulled away from the uh, the, the, the new Black Panthers uh, thing, okay? Where you know the intimidation, odd, inappropriate. We know that they uh, that he's he made it very clear that he will veto any ban of federal funding to the sanctuary cities. Odd, not appropriate. Yeah, you know they sick the uh, lowest learners IRS on yeah. the Tea Party. You know, it wait, came wait, out wait, today wait, they sicked him on even Bristol Palin. I, that, I, I you understand. Know. Let's let's go. But there's more. Uh, then then when the governor of Arizona decides to enforce the immigration laws with exact federal, no more than what the federal federalities were supposed to do, well she uh, she gets sicked on by the Supreme Court as well. Very strange behavior. And then to say nothing of the all the social. Um, uh, scandals, not scandals, but the social issues of the day, whether it's Trayvon Martin, you know, he, he chooses to get very involved with Trayvon Martin, but does not get involved whatsoever with that, the, 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 uh, the Pier 14 victim, right? Yeah. Nothing. Uh, when it comes to the Fort Hood massacre or for the Chattanooga killings, uh, he doesn't fly the American flag at half-mast. 
these, you see, he's exercising discretion in a very odd way. He's not at all consistent. It would be easy for him to be consistent. But, see, as we say on this show, liars always lie, lazy people are always lazy, and so on. And I have also found that people who exercise this kind of discretion, who are choosy about what they want to consider important, and are, not, are, are always choosy in everything that they do. And it's not as if they say, well, let's, let's let the chips fall where they may, whenever, uh, with regard to this issue, but we, we're so in the soup on this other issue, right? So you can bet that the Iran de deal, for example, he's going to do whatever he needs to do in order to, to muscle every single senator and congressman, certainly within his own party, and to the extent that he has any goods on the Republican Party uh, members, he'll use that as well against them. Yeah, we're really lucky that that guy who went downtown Abbey on his office, remember that Aaron Schock with the uh, office decor? He's being prosecuted now. Yes, I they do remember really that. lucky he's out of office because, you know, he was a Republican that Obama would have bent. Yeah, easily, easily. But, but, and it's not just, you know, political power. It's, it's like really threatening stuff. There's something odd about this administration. It's very aggressive. What, they, what happened with the IRS, which is clearly, you know, that things, you know, buck stops with the, this administration, right? I mean, using the same standard that they apply with regard to the um, no, nuke, no weapons of mass destru destruction uh, findings of the Iraq war, right? You, you can easily tell them, look, you know, well, Bush didn't know, um, and nor did any of the other European leaders. But then they'll say, well, the buck stops with President Bush, and he should have known. And he went in whole hog into this Iraq war, how reckless, blah, blah, blah. But the same thing is true with the IRS scandal, right? I mean, why wouldn't you use exactly the same argument and say, well, wait a minute, President Obama, you can't just, you know, put your hands up to your ears and your, your hands up to your eyes and close your eyes and all, to, to all that was going on. You knew this was going on. And, and if you didn't know, well, then shame on you for being so negligent and being so sloppy about it. Yeah, if it. you didn't know, that's worse. Yeah, uh, yeah that's right. But, but just to use your same standard that you use with us, we use it against you. So anyway, we, we all know that, that he was the one who actually sicked the IRS on these conservative groups. He, he felt at the time that, gosh, you know, what a cool thing he could do. He has this weapon called the IRS, and he can make life miserable for the conservatives. And I bet you he thought it wasn't a big deal. Not a big deal. Even more so, he thought it was, this is just obvious. This is what we do. Yeah. Yeah, no, to, to him, it, it's, I'm in charge now. I get to uh, throw my weight around, and I, I get to bully as many people as I like. That's, yeah. what I, that's who I am. And why aren't you listening to who I am? Right. Nixon, that piker only thought about using the IRS. <laughs> that's true. I, Obama, did it. Yeah. Isn't this great? Yeah. <laughs> What a precedent. That's right. He, uh, what a country. What a country. <laughs> From Dr. Nick on The Simpsons, right? right? Okay. Um, so why, okay. So now we've established, I think we've established that Obama is certainly capable of um, being very biased, uh, biased and very selective about enforcement, and also that he has the ability and has used the ability to target people that he doesn't like. So why would we be surprised? that he's doing this to members of the Supreme Court just as much as he's doing it to people in his own party. Why? Okay. And uh, the same thing is going to happen with the Iran, the Iran deal because anyone looking at this Iran deal, even, even the Democrats, except for the most outlandish 
uh, Kool-Aid drinking Democrats who, who are like-minded with Obama, even they would have to say, this is bat as crazy. And even those who don't say this is bat, you know what, guano crazy. <laughs> guano is technically what it is. Hillary Clinton is whole hog on the Iran deal, and she's getting investigated by the Justice Department. Yeah. It, it, meaning, even if you go along with 95, 99, 99 and 4400% of what Obama wants, you might be a target of his someday. It's that thuggish. You know, it reminds me of the movie Pulp Fiction. There's a scene, a very disturbing scene in my mind, um, but you've seen this kind of movie before where the, the, the captors uh, the, the, who've imprisoned these people, and this happens, I'll just use the Pulp Fiction as an example. The, the Bruce Willis character and uh, the black character. Vin Rames. Marcellus Wallace. Vin yes, Marcellus Wallace character, yeah, Vin Rames. Great actors and great acting and all that stuff. Uh, are, you know, fantastic. Um, they stumble upon this bizarre. Uh, store where they have a lair down below where they do crazy, sexually kinky stuff, and they imprison and sex slave these these two men, who never thought when they woke up that morning that they would ever be in the positions that they found themselves in. Especially Marcellus Wallace. Right. <laughs> and then, due to circumstances, after so much time, uh, the Bruce Willis character manages to escape. He turn he comes down. He turns the table on on the whole situation, and now they get these guys. Okay. And all of a sudden, the captors are suddenly very uh, polite, polite and pliant uh, to to, uh, to 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 the, the the people that were once their captives. Right? Suddenly, that's the way I feel about Hillary Clinton and Obama. Here was this Obama guy who was a nobody, right? And suddenly, he's you know he's won the nomination. Oh man. Okay, well, what can we do with him? You know, how can we? Because I'm, I'm really supposed to be the president, but now he's gotten so much power, and and he's done, I think, power corruptly, um, and and abusively, and and all the other adjectives he can use and and adverbs. He's done this, and suddenly she finds herself, the one that was supposed to be in power. The the tables have truly turned. And now she's hoping that this guy won't imprison her, literally, and won't completely destroy her. She is now in a, in a horrible position. And I don't know what she can do to get out of it. I think part, that, that partly explains how she looks like a deer caught in the headlights. I have another thing to add as chocolate sauce on top of that Sunday, which is this. <laughs> based on what you just said, and based on how Obama operates, and based on how he plays chess when she plays checkers, it makes sense that she was only corrupt enough to do some money scams as, as Secretary of State. It could be that Obama encouraged her to do the deep criminality stuff with the email servers and um, the, uh, the, the Russian uranium and those uh, shakedowns for the Clinton Foundation, kind of saying, well, this is how I do it. You do it, too. Planning all along to smack her right. with what he himself encouraged her. Because, you know, if you look at the Clinton's criminality back in the 90s, what was so striking about it to me is how shallow it all was. Mm-hmm. They were president and first lady, and all they could do was steal the silverware in China? 
<laughs> Which they did. Right. They, they stole that. Of all the things you could steal in the White House, that? <laughs> Valuable it is, but I, I, really? I, I understand. Uh, yeah. You know, the, the cattle futures, the, the, the Whitewater, the Lewinsky, the, the lying under oath, this is what you do? Yeah. yeah. And, and impeachable it was. Right. You know, and these are serious offenses, but it was so flimsy. It was just so, you know, petty stuff. She do, they don't have, they're not smart enough. They don't have the imagination for the kind of stuff that she was involved with as Secretary of State. So it leads me to think that he set her up. Right. It could be very well that, that, that he did set her up. I, I think that they, they don't have the ruthlessness that uh, the, Obama, the Obamas have. I think Obama is willing to do anything to, uh, to accomplish his goals. Uh, and... Look how the callousness that he shows to the, uh, the American uh, prisoners, that the fact that he was willing to exchange five Taliban uh, monsters uh, for this one traitor, for example, and also apparently give about $5 billion in the, in the exchange as well. Um, and then the fact that he's willing to do this Iranian deal, which is so patently dangerous, is so I mean, horrifically will lead to the disaster that it, it purports to, to try to avoid. These are the things, and he, he's so capable of this, and I think partly because I don't think he believes in God, for one thing. Um, he's been ruthless in the past before. The things that he's done before reflects that he's willing, all the things that he's willing to do. And again, people do not change. People are consistent. They always act consistently. This is, and, and that's, why we, that's why we don't hire felons into jobs, because we're concerned that they will act consistently with their own past. Right? It's not because we, we hate felons just for being felons. No. We don't hire them because we're worried that if we give them the chance that they want, that they'll embezzle from us, too. And if you hire a felon to run your accounting department, and the worst they can do is embezzlement, well, you're lucky. Right. But if you hire a felon to be a policeman, and you give them a gun yeah. and the license to use right. it, well, people are going to die. Well, this is this is what I'm talking about here, and, and I, I'm, I think that Somebody as president who could do the things that we, that everyone acknowledges he's done, pulling back the Black Panthers, uh, refusing to, you know, making very clear he'll veto any ban of such and such, and, and um, the, the other discretionary moves that he made that are very, very su- uh, suspect. He, it, and, and the way that, that, that things have gone down, the, the, um, the Supreme Court and the warnings that he's given to the Supreme Court and the things that we know that he's done with the Congress, congressmen and the senators. He's capable of anything, this guy. So it would not surprise me that he would set her up. Because setting her up, by the way, in and of itself is not illegal. And right? he, he was acting as a counselor, as an advisor, so to speak. Why don't you do this thing and you'll find great things will happen for you. You know, protect yourself, Hillary, because you don't want people to, to snoop into your emails. So why don't you have your own server? And then that way you'll, you'll know what's what. And then they leak the fact that she's got a server problem. Right? They, they themselves are the ones who create this. Right. And the way that Hillary is uh, communicating right now on her campaign reflects somebody who is walking on eggshells, who is terrified of what Obama will say or not do, and or do, and she does not want to say anything that, in any way, will challenge any of his policies. Hence, you have not had her say anything negative about Obamacare, 
anything negative about uh, the Iran deal. Or the economy. Or, or the economy. Just, she, she has not said a word about how she would have done things differently. And my friends, this is not the way American politics has ever worked before. It, when you're the Democrat, or even in, in your own party, and you want to win, and you know what a lousy economy you're coming out of, you need to get in there and you need to say, I would do things differently, and here's why it's wrong. She needs to be, in a sense, fighting Obama if she wants to win. Because guess what? The other Democrats who are in the run, whether that's Bernie Sanders or Malley or Webb, they're doing it. They already are. Exactly. But she's not. And that makes me wonder. And in fact, I don't think we have to wonder at all. My friends, we are very concerned. Um, but I do, I do feel that Obama, sorry, that, that, that uh, Hillary Clinton, if she does not already get out of the race before November of 2016, that she will certainly lose the race. I'm, I'm quite comfortable with that, that assessment. Something really, really bad has to happen on the Republican side for, for her to win. My friends, this is Brock Lurie. Thanks so much for tuning in. We'll talk with you next week. Let's do